The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome in. We're talking uh, legal issues today. Local attorney Brandon Bass is with us from the John Day Law Firm. Pull that uh, mic over. Let it be your good buddy for the next hour. Brandon, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. How are you doing? Doing great. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. We're going to be talking today about some dangerous products, really dangerous products. Uh, this includes also uh, some of the things that you need to do if you're harmed by a dangerous product. When we talk about dangerous product, what are some examples that people are often, uh, you know, injured by? You know, uh, it really runs the gamut. Under the law, uh, products basically anything you can buy and hold. Um, and when we see dangerous products cases, we're talking about, for example, if you got a, a home device, you buy a toy for your kid, and leaks out battery acid all over them does something some harm that way it can include uh, medications we've had plenty of cases involving dangerous drugs and things basically anything that either doesn't do what it's supposed to do or was just so badly designed from the first place that the way it works is gonna get somebody hurt now when something like this happens uh, do you what do you need to do to secure the information that can be used in your case? It's an excellent question. It's one that comes up, frankly, way too often, and, and it's unfortunate. So obviously, if you see your, your child or, or yourself or someone get hurt, take care of them right away. But then afterwards, you got to secure the product. So if anybody's going to end up filing a lawsuit against some company and saying you, you made a product, you made a toy uh, or this car part, hurt me then at the end of the day the judge is going to say well the manufacturer needs to have a chance to take a look at it and figure out what actually caused this problem uh, if it was a 15 year old product for example there's all kinds of reasons to worry about whether something changed about it over the years so they're supposed to have the chance to do any kind of testing about it examine it photograph it uh, usually send by potentially an engineer or somebody to take a look if you're hurt by something you bought, some kind of product, you have to secure it. You have to put it someplace safe. Don't mess with it. Just put it someplace your kids aren't going to put, going to mess with it. I don't care if it's in your garage. If it's something that's going to get destroyed worse by weather, don't set it outside where it's going to get rained on and maybe get rusty before anybody gets a chance to look at it. So you put it someplace safe out of everybody else's reach and just don't touch it. Um, an important part, and it's, you see two things that get people in trouble this way, Bart. One is they'll throw it away or sell it or just get rid of it. And you can lose a lawsuit before you even have one, before you even file one, if the judge says, well, where's the product? Where's the device or the manufacturer get a chance to look at it? If it's gone, you're in trouble. And the other way people get themselves in trouble is by messing with it, just fiddling it with it, trying to figure it out for themselves. I'm not an engineer. Um, I've sat there with a whole bunch, and I come from, uh, my dad was an engineer. I understand what they do, but I don't do it myself. 
they got all kinds of complex tests they might want to do. Toxicologists do stuff on, on to figure out whether there's a germ involved and such. You can contaminate the product just by fiddling with it. So, so don't get out a screwdriver. Don't even mess with it. Just sit there and leave it where it's going to be safe and alone until the right people can have a chance to look at it. Now, do you use courts, uh, cases like this in local courts or... How does it go? Do you have to go to a federal court, or what? What's the situation? Um, you can file a products liability, which is the way it's called, products liability. You can file that in state court. Um, Tennessee certainly has a right to protect its own citizens. If a manufacturer is sending bad goods here, you don't have to go chasing them down uh, in even across the border in Kentucky. Um, you can also file in federal court. It's the person injured generally, generally gets to pick where they want to be. There's some rules on it and, the, uh, fairly complex rules on where you're allowed to file a lawsuit, but you can file suit in your own backyard. Um, most of the time. So what amount of time do you have to file for this case? I imagine there's a, a, a period of time that you have to respond there is, and it changes depending on a few circumstances. First, in Tennessee, the general rule is anybody who's hurt or who loses a loved one usually has one year to file a lawsuit. Now, one year sounds like a long time until you're trying to figure out, well, I, I, picked, up this, uh, I picked up this toy down at Target but Target didn't manufacture it. I got to figure out who actually manufactured it. I got to track them down. There's a whole lot of work to be done in that one year. So you got to act early. But the other part is this. There's a part of the law that says at some point you just can't file suit over this product anymore. Uh, it's basically an, a legal expiration date. So for most stuff, that means 10 years after the first time it was sold. For most things. So if a car... The, last, the first time it moved off the lot, in the 10th year anniversary of that, it doesn't matter what happens after that. That also includes if, if you're hurt 9 years and 11 months and 59, or th uh, 29 days, you got a few hours to file a lawsuit if you're hurt by that car. So the timelines for any lawsuit are generally at most a year for any injury lawsuit. Um, but they can be even shorter when there's a product involved. So these are things you need to be quick on. Yeah, it's a lot of work to get ready to file a lawsuit for a product. You know, when we're sitting around the coffee shop talking with each other, a lot of times we just say, I, I got hurt, it must have been the product, I wasn't doing anything else wrong. That's not enough to fly in a courtroom. So there's a whole lot of legwork, a whole lot of uh, painstaking work to be done before filing a lawsuit against a company you you don't want to sue some company and say you hurt a kid or, or you caused a, a mom to lose her life for no good reason and you're going to get thrown out of court very expensively if you do it for no good reason so there's a whole lot of work to be done in that time period um from getting a chance to to investigate and figure out who actually made this thing bad getting engineers or other folks on board to, to look at it and figure out, well, is it really bad or is this just the best we can do <laughs> with our current technology? It's one of the, is it, we actually have a state-of-the-art defense in every product's case is, look, if this is as good as it can get, we can't really complain about it. Um, 
this is the best anybody could be expected to do for whatever it is that they made. And it's not really the manufacturer's fault at that point. They they got it up to snuff. We're just you, you bought uh, a car in 1920. It would not have the same safety features it does here in 2022. So if it's as good as it could get at the time, then that's all there is to it. Now, most people don't have a clue as to whether something's as good as it could be or even if there's a possible case here. Do lawyers uh, allow potential clients to come and talk with them about the validity of their case? They, they should. We do, and I think most, uh, most law firms that do what we do, which is helping out people who've been hurt, will talk first. You, you, look, just as you said, Bart, most people can't figure that out on their own. They just know they were burned or, or stabbed by something that they didn't think should have been there, um, some part that seemed way too sharp. Uh, so they just know they got hurt, but they don't really know too much more about it. Pick up the phone and figure out, let, let somebody who's handled a bunch of these cases figure it out with the right kind of experts. And it really does usually take experts to figure out. I mean, um, we can all make some reasonable assumptions, but a lot of times it really does take people who, who've actually built a, a product like this before. You want to go tear a car apart, you should probably have a bare minimum of a mechanic who knows uh, how that drive shaft's supposed to work in other vehicles. So, again, the big part, in addition to knowing if it's a case, is filing it in a timely manner, because if you're too late, you miss the boat. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> There are a whole lot of reasons why somebody might lose a product's case, despite the fact that they know they were hurt and everybody tells them they were hurt. Everybody recognizes it's a problem, but they can get thrown out of court real quick. Reason number one is not filing it in time. Reason number two is not having that product still around safely for everybody to be able to take a look at. And one way people get in trouble from that, I talked about fiddling with it. You fiddle with it, you can mess with it and sort of change the device. You start taking screws out and start pulling springs and other things out of a device to try and figure out, well, you may have just changed the essential part. Nobody can tell what it looked like at the time it was sold, at the time it was built. Once you've moved around a lot of stuff, you may try to put it back together, but, and my wife would say, I may try to take stuff to, uh, apart at our home and it does not go back <laughs> the way that it, that it started. Um, so don't mess with it. Just if you think you've been hurt from a product, call somebody and let them figure it out. The other stuff you can do from that standpoint is, uh, depending on the type of product, even if you're not hurt, if you see something that's just bad, looks bad to you, call and report it. So one of the first things that anybody asks, judge, jury, um, friends even, one of the first things they're going to ask when you say, look at this thing. Does this look right to you? I've got this, I bought my son this toy and it had a sharp part on it that poked a hole in his hand. Does that look right to you? Is Has this happened to anybody else? So the way you figure that out is we don't, we as lawyers, we don't have a national database. Not everybody's sending me an email with every single inch, every single issue they've ever had. So you got to look towards the manufacturer. You got to look towards federal agencies and stuff and, and ask them what other reports have there been? Call in, write a letter and say, I was lucky not to get hurt by this. Take a look at this thing, please. Um, 
and, and then you can see from the manufacturer's history, from their warranty claims and other stuff, yes, this has happened to a whole bunch of folks. Those other ones were just lucky enough not to be hurt. And unfortunately, the manufacturer didn't do anything about it. And now somebody got seriously hurt as a result. Now, are manufacturers required to keep records of uh, complaints on products? Uh, different industries have different standards, and I, I can't say I know them all off the top of my head. Certainly a pharmaceutical company is going to have way different standards on what kind of concerns they have to document and report across to the to the Food and Drug Administration and such than Mattel might for a G.I. Joe. I can't remember if Mattel's who made G.I. Joe's. I had a lot of them, but I don't remember what the <laughs> package said. But they're going to have different standards for what they need to keep track of. And depending on... Um, just good common sense you would sort of hope that any company that's getting calls in that says this poses a serious risk that they keep a documentation of it so they could figure out for themselves do they need to make a change do they need to do a recall or anything else frankly that's one reason to criticize a company who does not if a company's getting calls left and right and they're going in the circular file they're all just going in the trash and saying well they didn't ask for a refund so who cares that's a reason to be concerned about that company, and it's a reason they should be held accountable if anybody does get hurt. But at the end of the day, all we can do as consumers is, if we're lucky enough, we see something that could have hurt us and it didn't, is to report it along, make sure the manufacturer knows, hope they do the right thing, and if there's any government agency that's supposed to be a watchdog for this issue, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, Food and Drug Administration, or what have you, let them know. One type of product, for example, that we see in that line, um, we see some cases uh, involving food outbreaks, like salmonella poisoning in a food product or things. Um, a, bad, a few bad batches of eggs come in from the same farm. And one of the first ways they figure that out is, well, everybody that ate at this restaurant at this time all had salmonella poisoning. What did they have in common? And trace it back, unless they have the reports in, from people saying, yes, I got sick, they're not necessarily going to be looking in the right place to figure out, yes, everybody got, everybody that morning ordered the omelets, and every omelet was made with eggs from this same farm, and then they may go, I've seen a case where they went back and looked at the farm, and it turned out that farm had terrible controls, terrible food safety controls for the eggs, just um, zero food safety controls for the eggs, basically, uh, left around uh, animals' messes. Um, but if you don't say something, there's no record of any of that. And, and other it. people continue to get sick. That's it. So call in, let the people who you've dealt with, call the 1-800 number or anything, let them know, um, and call up a government agency, the two leading, well, the three leading ones that come to mind. The Consumer Product Safety Commission is who handles... Basically, the stuff you'd pick up at Walmart or Target or whatever. Your run-of-the-mill stuff. Food and Drug Administration handles your foods and your medicines. And then um, the uh, uh, Department of Transportation oversees the agency that handles cars and vehicles and things like that. If you got a problem with it, call in. The Department of Transportation, they track that stuff well so you can see all vehicles within this range, this manufacturer, this model, and they can figure out. We do have a whole lot of people calling in saying their radio caught fire. Maybe there's something wrong with the radios in that car. So these are things, you're not going to always make a fortune 
on a lawsuit. Uh, but you should be concerned about other people also who are going to be injured or uh, harmed by a product. So you need to put your input in there. I just think so. I mean, I think we have a moral obligation to each other, mainly because this. I put myself in the shoes of another parent or, or, or someone who is a, I keep thinking of toys because um, my kids have a lot of little toys around. Uh, and, and look, if I go to the store and buy my kid a toy and it turns out that it's going to hurt him, I'd really like anybody in there who's had the chance to stop that from happening to have done so. And if I can call across and say, hey, I noticed there's a real problem with this. This, I plugged it into the wall and it started smoking. Then I'd really like um, that to have been fixed before we plug it into the wall and my kid burns. You know? Absolutely. So these are some things that you need to be thinking about. And one thing, too, uh, we're going to take a break here, but I want to encourage people, if you have ever had an issue like this, uh, or maybe one that you didn't respond to, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, some of the things that you've done or have not done, and I think that could help other people who face some of the same issues that you have faced. Our phone number, and you can talk or text on that number, 615-893-1450. Love to hear from you. 615-893-1450. Brandon Bass, a local attorney with John Day Law Firm, is with us today. We're talking about what do you do if you get what is termed a dangerous product? Could be toys, could be your car, could be a TV set. Could be something you eat, too. Any of these things. We'll be right back. 615-893-1450. If you have something to buy, sell, or trade, call me. Weekday mornings at 750 for Swap and Shop. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. By growing up in the restaurant business and being always around it, it was just something that was just second nature to me. I didn't realize the amount of work that was involved in it. I, I didn't understand and appreciate all that my parents sacrificed in order to provide for us. And now I'm very thankful and, I, and I'm very appreciative of the foundation that they laid for me so we could teach others to create what they have done to make it more of a legacy than just a passing of the torch. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We have an excellent sound room with good acoustics. If you want to try out any guitar in the store, if you've got a perfect place to listen to it, compare them side by side, see how the neck feels to your hand, which is important to a guitar player. We have keyboards to play, a room in the back for drums to give a run through with cymbals, snares, whole sets. Come in Music World and Drummer's Den and try out before you buy it. Music World and Drummer's Den. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. 
WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who fought in the Vietnam War. We're talking with Russell Ashton. When did you serve in the military? What branch and all of that? United States Army. I went in in 1967 and I got out in November of 1969. And my last service was over in Vietnam. I'm just uh, glad to be here. What was it like when you first went in? I was just a little country boy, just got out of high school, and your uncle called me and said, get on a Greyhound bus and go to Nashville, you know? I mean, I was frightened. I guess uh, that might be good for some people, that, that might get them closer to God to go to war. Were you in the thick of everything? I was with the 173rd Airborne Brigade. I guess you could say we were doing our share. I made 17 jumps out of the airplanes and stuff. Of course, those old T-10 shoots that we had back then, buddy, you just crashed and burned. That's all it was. I mean, you hit the ground. A lot of times I think that could be a lot of my hearing problems because you jump out of a plane that's got the props or I jumped out of the C-141s, that's the jet. That's a lot of noise just to walk in. To. Was that scary jumping out of those planes? Uh, 18 years old, what do you call it, 5 foot 10 and bulletproof. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Your time's valuable. Don't spend it cleaning your business. Let Bystar Building Solutions do the work for you. Go to BystarBuildingSolutions.com for a free quote on cleaning your commercial, medical, or government building. BystarBuildingSolutions.com. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615 893 1450. 615-893-1450. We're talking about things that'll help you today. Local attorney Brandon Bass is with us from the law firm at John Day. And we're talking about products, dangerous products. And that's not limited to what you think of as products, a tangible thing. It could be food that you eat and makes you sick or something of that sort. Uh, in fact, we have a text here from a listener who says, uh, many times I have gotten sick, felt funny, I had a stomach queasy feeling, and I've had friends who've had this too, commented on this, but we've always thought, well, it's something we ate, but we've never done anything about it. What should we do uh, if it's a situation like that? You know, if we're only a little sick, sometimes it's hard to even figure out where we might have gotten sick from. Um, so, look, sometimes it's relatively easy if for whatever reason you haven't eaten anything else in the last 20 hours but one meal, it's probably from that one meal. <laughs> so you can at least identify and call in the restaurant and say, hey, I got sick. I don't know if anybody else has reported in. If you end up in the hospital as a result of severe food poisoning, uh, a bacteria that won't go away or, or is starting to damage internal organs and things, um, they're going to be trying to track it across as well. So it's a little bit of a sliding scale of reasonableness. 
if you feel a little sick at night, well, that may have been something you ate or it may have just been something else, somebody you were around who coughed or something without really realizing it. You don't know where that stomach bug came from. Um, if you feel really, really sick, though, and you're borderline going to the hospital, then maybe call up and report to the restaurant at least and say, hey, I had this meal there at this time. Um, if anybody else is getting sick, please be aware of it. That can help them track across. Uh, the, the doctors who specialize in that area can look at all the reports in and say, well, we've got a cluster right here, just like we dealt with, with COVID clusters for so long. We had a cluster of folks right here, and they all seem to have eaten at the same restaurant during the same lunch shift trying to figure out what the source is. One of the reasons they want to figure out what the source is is to make sure the bleeding stop, stopped, so to speak that they're not going to continue to have problems getting sick, people sick in the future. Maybe it was just one bad batch, or maybe they got a problem with the, the um, stove they're cooking on that needs to be extremely hygienically cleaned. Uh, so reporting in that way can help. Okay, here's uh, another one from a listener, and they're saying that uh, they were trying a new hotel over the weekend, and a lot of people were there enjoying it, and they were on an outdoor patio with a fire pit and tripped while walking across uh, the patio. They did not fall, but they said that there appeared to be some type of metal object coming up uh, in between the tiles. They didn't say a thing to anybody uh, since they didn't fall, felt sort of foolish about the whole thing, and by the time they checked out the next day, they didn't even think about it. You know, I think we've all experienced that, and that's what we were talking about earlier, Bart. I certainly understand. There's plenty of time we're all busy, but it would help to call up that hotel and say, I did notice something. There was uh, something. I think the listener described it as a, just some metal object. Right, they between really sure what some it was. tiles, evidently. You know, um, call in and report. A maintenance guy may be able to go up under the roof and identify it, shave it off. They may be able to get the contractor back out there to fix a problem before somebody somebody who's got their hands full falls in their face and suffers something oh, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I encourage the listener, just take a few minutes out, call the hotel and, and report it in that way as well. Um, companies who are less proactive, who are less concerned about taking care of their customers, maybe more so once they're getting reports in and they know that if anybody else does get hurt, now they got to reported along that yes we've had prior complaints we just didn't do anything about it it may get somebody to fix something that they would have otherwise ignored our phone number again 615-893-1450 and you can talk to us or you can text us your comments whichever you're most comfortable with 615-893-1450 brandon bass is with us he's a local attorney with the john day law firm and if you have uh, issues that you're concerned about, just let us know about them. Uh, we're talking about dangerous products today, and that pretty much uh, runs the gamut of anything you could come up with, I would imagine. Yeah, that reminds me. Uh, so one thing we see in uh, the running the gamut is what reminds me. Um, one thing we see sometimes is if you get hurt because somebody sold you something dangerous, you have to worry about any arguments that you kind of altered it, altered it, done anything to it. So this is not basically what we sold you. If that metal object sticking up out of a hotel floor wasn't there to begin with, but one of the contractors bent something at a 90 degree angle that they shouldn't have making it stick straight up. 
it's not really the manufacturer's fault usually if you altered it. So making sure you're using stuff safely is important. The, the reason that reminded me of that is um, car seats. Uh, they're hard. <laughs> uh, they're really uh, difficult to get installed correctly. Um, we are doing an event this weekend um, at 10 a.m. this weekend where in conjunction with um, uh, the fire department here, we are helping people check out their car seats and making sure that they're all installed safely. Um, happy to give that information to you. In a where minute. will that be? Um, I'll th it is... Uh, And I'm, I'm wondering also, why are they so difficult to install? I mean, this this is not brand new news. Uh, I can remember this back when we had children ourselves. Uh, car seats were difficult to install. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the John Day Law Firm then to uh, have these clinics that, that uh, help let you know how to do this. I don't know why they're so difficult to install. Um, I've got a few different ones, yeah. and they all seem to install different ways. Um, they, there's a whole lot of latches, things to twist, screws to turn, and other things to get it in there safely uh, and securely. Um, <laughs> I, I am reasonably sure it's made that way so that the more latches and knobs and screws and chains and other stuff, the less likely it is for one of them to fail. But boy, it can be difficult moving or <laughs> moving one in or out and um, and being sure that you got it in there safely. You were asking where the event was, I just wanted to double check. It's at our office on Medical Center Parkway um, or in the parking lot of our office at 1639 Medical Center. And that's 10 a.m. on Saturday. Okay, and then no no charge. No okay. charge. Um, and, and the idea overall is make sure that it's not going to shift in a crash. Make sure that it's going to securely hold your child in place. Um, yeah, they change. You know, there's the, the rear-facing infant ones where you drop them in there in a little buggy. And there's the, the ones after that that are super high chairs where they... Uh, they seem to be strapped in where an earthquake could happen and them not move and booster seats. Every single one seems to have a slightly different way of installing it. And that, and as a parent, you're just trying to guess and say, well, this feels right to me. Um, so that's a service that we provide. Um, feel free to come by and, and have your seat checked out to make sure uh, they are lifesavers. I've seen so many car crashes and some come to mind where the cars, where there were people many people seriously injured who lost their lives in the same crash and a kid in a car seat came away with uh injuries but not nearly as bad as they could have been so they work they work very very well if they're all built right and installed right and that uh, seat belt uh, or the car seat clinic uh, to check the installation 1639 Medical Center Parkway, the office there, uh, the parking lot outside the office. Yep. And that's right across from the hospital. Yep. 10 o'clock this Saturday, 10 o'clock Saturday. Okay. Uh, of course, that's your most precious cargo, and you want to be sure that that child is safe, uh, and, and you don't want to second-guess that manufacturer. Well, I feel like it's installed properly. Well, don't just feel like it. Know that it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work to get one of those things put in just right. Um, so having somebody else who's who knows how much they're supposed to move, it, 
is invaluable. And also, I imagine that there will be people there who will tell you, you use these until the child is so many pounds or so many inches tall, whatever. Uh, that's important to know, too. It is. And the pediatricians, the uh, society, they seem to change those numbers every now and then. Um, I would trust your doctor first and your child's doctor first and foremost on when they're ready because most of those numbers are based upon age to some extent, but also the child's size overall. There's big little kids and little big kids who need to be in slightly different ones than their peers. So these are set by medical people, not by state laws. Um, state laws generally require car seats in the back, but they're not too specific. Um, our, our Tennessee state rules are not too specific on what kind of car seat and et cetera. Uh, but the uh, uh, American Association of Pediatricians, I think is the, the term, it seems like every five years or so they'll change it and they tend to move towards keep your child in the car seat longer keep them until they're older, until they're bigger. Um, I think the last one said basically keep them until they, they've aged or sized out of the one you have before you move them into the next level um, uh, is their preference. You certainly don't want to go against what the manufacturer recommends, though, because those things are those manufacturers' recommendations are based upon the size and the weight that's being pushed around on the belts. Um, so making sure that the belt is going to be strapped across the child's body and not across their neck in the event of a crash is important. Follow those. But I would also, I asked my kid's pediatrician to, to, to weigh in as well. I figure that they, uh, they see more kids hurt than anybody else. Very definitely. Once again, that uh, child seat uh, installation check is at 10 o'clock Saturday morning at the law firm of John Day in the parking lot there. 1639 Medical Center Parkway, and that's right across from the hospital. Here's a question from a listener who uh, says their kids love to swing, and they have a swing set out in the backyard, and sometimes the kids get a little wild on that and see who can go the highest. I'm not sure. And they, uh, they're indicating that they used to do that, too, when they were a kid. Um, and they, they chuckle about it, but that could turn out serious there. it could uh yeah i feel like we all did that as kids at some yeah. point everybody thinking at some point they were going to make the full loop um yeah that ran across my mind <laughs> <laughs> uh or the other thing I, I can recall as a child was seeing how high you could jump off of the oh, swing as well yeah. uh from a product's liability standpoint there's we talked about alteration you can't mess with a product and then say well i messed with it and after i changed it now it's dangerous um it's not the manufacturer's fault if you made it dangerous yourself. And the same thing is true. It's called misuse. If you use a product in a dangerous way, in a way that's against the design and the warnings and everything else, it's not the manufacturer's fault. If you're using a lawnmower for a, a ride, for example, that's dangerous. You know, it's not a toy. Um, so if you're misusing a product, you can get in trouble. Now, I tend to think myself... Swings are designed to be swung about as high as you can get. I don't think that that's misuse. There's no, there's nothing stopping you from going any higher, um, other than gravity. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you push the envelope too much, and it's nobody else's fault. Um, uh, if you're using something in a way that nobody in their right mind would have expected it to be used for.
Another text here uh, deals with food that you're eating, food that was in a can. They said uh, in several instances they have had different types of food that have had either bones in them from the products or some other object that they can't identify. And they usually just spit it out and forget about it. Should they do more? I would call in and complain. Look, there's a few possibilities there. Number one is you're saving somebody else from choking on something or or worse, potentially worse than choking, uh, getting uh, a bone stuck in that does some, that cuts through tissue inside. But number two is give the manufacturer the chance to recognize and say, well, we, we are getting a bunch of calls in either our production line is bad or somebody on the production line isn't doing their job. we got to change some stuff up to make sure this doesn't happen again. And here's a, an interesting question here from a listener. Discuss the liability of automobile service businesses, repairs, detail shops, things of that sort. Some detail shops remove uh, seats and the interiors to clean the cars. What is the liability of these businesses to correctly put them back? It's a great question. Um, so when, when you say removing the seats, I, I assume what they're referring to are the car seats in particular. I don't uh, the child car seats. I don't think. I, I think they're talking about the, the regular seat. seat. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That's a pretty thorough uh, cleaning job. Yeah, I've I've never had them take out the the whole seat, but it, uh, w- whether it's the car seat or the seat itself, generally speaking, everybody who does a job especially for pay, but generally once we start doing something, we're just expected to do what's reasonable. That's the legal term. It's a normal term for everybody reasonable. But what it means is what a a normally careful person would do. Um, So does that require you to be perfect? No, it does require you to be as safe as anybody else would be. And that can include saying we're not taking the seats out because we cannot reliably put them back in the same way the manufacturer did. So from a liability standpoint, if you're taking out a child car seat or you're taking out the entire uh, uh, bucket seat or, or bench or what have you, if you're going to do that, make sure you, you know how to put it back in safely and everything. Make sure how, you know how to verify that it's been put back in securely or else you, are, have, you have taken on some degree of risk to, that the consumer can't do any more than you can. Um, there's nothing special they can do about it. So if you're going to do a job, do it right. But no one is expected to be perfect. They're just expected to do what any other rational person would do under the circumstances. So they do have uh, some liability if, if they're in that repair business. I, I, I've not seen a case specifically like that. Um, as we talked about a minute ago, I didn't know any car, any detail shops actually removed the entire seat um so i haven't seen uh, anybody do it wrong either um there is no law that i can think of no previously written law that i can think of that says this is what thou shalt do under this set of circumstances when you're removing a seat to clean it for someone else the general rule is when you're doing a job do it as right as you'd expect anybody else to do it and if you do it worse then you're responsible for whatever harm you cause as a result We're talking about uh, jobs that uh, create problems, dangerous products, dangerous products. Local attorney Brandon Bass is with us from the law firm of John Day. We have only a few minutes left, about 10 minutes left in the show. 
So if you have a question or a comment, call us or text us 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. From the tallest tower in the city limits of Murfreesboro to every radio in the land, WGNS AM FM is everywhere you need us to be. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your pet and your feathered friend needs. We also have a great gift department with wonderful great gift ideas. And always we have what you need for the farm or the garden. And in our clothing department, we have our Carhartt clothing line. And for ladies, we have our MG Carhartt. And we also have our wonderful muck boots. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Chuck Gandy with Gandy Seafood Company. This Valentine's Day, cook something special for your sweetheart, like stuffed lobster tail, bacon wrap, bourbon glaze, sea scallops, jumbo lump crab cakes, grouper or red snapper imperial. Gandy Seafood Cajun Market. Make this Valentine's Day extra special. Memorial Boulevard, across from Sportscom. Extend your reach for a variety of projects with Louisville six-foot aluminum step letter from Haynes Bay Hardware. This is Rich Schmidt with more spring savings from Haynes Bay Hardware. Right now, it's just $69.99 while supplies last. This medium-duty commercial-grade ladder is built with slip-resistant feet, pinch-resistant spreader braces, and heavy gusset bracing for safety. Holds up to 225 pounds and includes a molded top with tool slots and folding pail shelf. Stop in for this bargain month today at Haynes Trouvet Hardware, 1807 Memorial Boulevard. Skies will become mostly sunny this afternoon, high in the low 60s. North winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low of 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 39. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. Look up in the sky. Two powerful FM signals, one AM signal, and worldwide on WGNSRadio.com. You can listen to us anywhere. We are WGNS Murfreesboro. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're talking about issues that concern you or issues that uh, have hurt you or a loved one. 615-893-1450. Brandon Bass is with us local attorney with the law firm of John Day. And we're talking this morning about dangerous products. And again, we want to stress uh, the urgency of any time you are injured by a product, you need to act quickly. I need to get with the local attorney quickly because not only does the uh, attorney have to have some time to do some research on the situation, but you also have some legal time uh, limits within which to apply for this lawsuit or anything else. Uh, and, and are those pretty much the same for any 
any issue like this uh, one no, year? Um, no, they really do vary. Uh, it can be less than a year. Um, for example, um, there's a part of products liability law in Tennessee that says if a product has a regulated expiration date, like milk, then you have one year from the date it was sold to file a lawsuit. Meaning if it was sold 30 days earlier, if it was near the end of the expiration date when you drank it and got sick, so you've lost one month already, you have less time. You have 11 months. On a car, for example, a car's got a basically a 10-year warranty by law, a 10-year expiration date anyway, by law. So if it was sold the first time 13 years ago, you're out of luck before you even get hurt. If it was sold nine years and a few months ago, you're already really close to that window. There are a whole bunch of deadlines that come into play <coughs> when you're dealing with a product's issue. Just assume you got to act quickly and assume that even if it looks like the you've stored it in a safe place, nobody's assumed that someone else may have different thoughts and, and is going to want to keep it out of the light, for example, for some reason that light may trigger a, a germ reaction in it or something. So act, I would truly act fast. They are complicated cases or, or certainly can be. What happens if uh, your problem happened uh, while you were on vacation in another state and you check about it when you get home? Uh, that lawsuit, can you file it? Here in Tennessee, or do you have to file it in the state where the problem was? It's an excellent question, and one that would depend on a whole lot of different things. Um, it is an excellent question. Generally speaking, then, you'd probably be filing the lawsuit back in your hometown. Um, but there's a whole lot of variables that come into there. F putting it this way, at a broad brush stroke. We do a lot of, we as a society, we do a lot of business that touches people all over the world now. We're sort of a global uh, society at this point. But look, if you make a product here in Murfreesboro and somehow it ends up in uh, China, that does not mean that you've opened yourself up to say, I want to go to China to deal with a lawsuit. So where you can even sue over a product sort of depends on uh, a few factors about who made it and how much they have involved themselves in the community where it was being put into use, where the person was hurt, et cetera. So these are things you, that's again, why you need to get with an attorney quickly uh, to be sure that you're dotting all I's and crossing all T's. Yeah, when I say it's an excellent question, Bart, I mean it's a question that first year law students have an entire class about, about where a person could be sued. <laughs> that It's a really, really broad topic. And when you're dealing with products, you deal with a car accident, the answer is both of us were on this street at this time. This is usually the right place is in this county. When you're dealing with products that may be moved around and other things, it gets much broader than that in terms of um, the rules that apply and how much you got to look at. It starts to look, you, you may have to start looking into stuff like, well, how much business does this company actually do in our state? Was this a one-time deal or did they know it was going to end up here? It gets real, real, real specific as to where to file a lawsuit. Now, you were mentioning a, a little while ago about expiration dates on foods. If you buy a bottle of milk or a dozen eggs or whatever it might be, it seems like I was reading recently that 
and I don't don't know whether it was a, an issue dealing with the pandemic or whatever, uh, but seems like they were making that end date, the expiration date, a broader number, not putting specific numbers down. Uh, have you heard anything about that, and would that impact uh, your uh, time schedule to file? Um, I have not. It probably would not impact the time schedule because the only time the expiration date matters, generally speaking, the only time the expiration date matters is when it's because there's a law that says, like milk, there's a law that says it expires on a certain date and manufacturer's job is to stamp that on there. Um, but, you know, beer, they put that like born on date, for example. There's no law that says you're supposed to have a born on date for beer or anything like that. So products where they put an expiration date on there just because it would be the most fresh within this time period, that doesn't matter. The ones that are truly, you're being told, the Food and Drug Administration has decided it would be dangerous to consume this after this date. At that point, first of all, don't consume it after that date. unless. You... <laughs> but then second, yes, at that point, the clock is ticking because somebody has said um, this really isn't supposed to be sitting around. Nine years later, if you drink milk, you're probably going to get sick. Uh, <laughs> and the idea being don't file a lawsuit for nine-year-old milk. Before we leave, and we're almost out of town, uh, tell us about that car seat installation checkup. Sure. It's with the Murfreesboro Fire Department. It's um, over by our office at 1639 Medical Center. I had to look up the specific address because I can never think of it because um, you just turn in right across from the That's hospital. Right. And yeah. you don't have to think about the street address. <laughs> yeah, it's right across from the hospital. Uh, we'll be giving out some stuff for kids like cotton candy and, and bike helmets and things, but mainly uh, we'll be helping out making sure that people have their car seats installed correctly and giving them any tips or, or help they can get to to get their kids back and forth safely. That's 10 o'clock this Saturday. Yes, the 12th. And that is 1639 Medical Center Parkway directly across from the hospital. Brandon, we do thank you for joining us today. It's been uh, very helpful. Thanks, Bart. Brandon Bass visiting with us today from the law firm of John Day. Hey, have a super rest of the day. Everyone to drive safe and drive sober on